Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to the 8th Behind the Scenes episode of Focus Fire Chat, recorded on August 18th, 2020. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is your prepare to cut things down shorter if we need to, because this is going to be a lot deeper discussion than before. Green-eyed music lover. A.K.A. Shut Up Blue. As before, we like to use the behind-the-scenes series as a way to step out of the world of game lore and talk about other aspects of the community we're so proud to be a part of. Uh, This also allows us a chance to sit down and really explore a topic. So this chat will be discussing the commonly overlooked components that go into podcasting. As with the normal episodes, we will be breaking this into two segments or sessions, as we like to refer to them. With the intro session, our plan is, or well, our plan was to talk about some of the overarching aspects that should be considered before starting a podcast, as well as some of the hardware and software options that you have to record a podcast. In the advanced session, this session, our plan is to take a closer look at some of the challenges that we personally have faced with our own podcasting journey, as well as answering some of the amazing questions sent in by members of our community, whether that was in Discord or over on Twitter. Before we get started, just as with the intro session, I want to reiterate that there is no singular path in pursuing a creative outlet. However, if you are interested in jumping into the podcasting world, or if you just have some questions about what all happens behind the scenes, we are always more than happy to help whenever we can. Our group email is focusfirechat at gmail.com, or you can send us a message via the contact page over on www.thelorenetwork.com. With all that out of the way, let's start the chat. And I don't want to talk about this next part, but this is going to be... <laughs> the challenges that we faced so (laughs) we've done this show for how many years five Five? six six this october you've done it i believe six i will have done it six you've done it six i've done it for what four years four i think i I, it feels longer on i it's either four or five i i think i came on the year after I, I know I started coming on as a guest at least after year one. Yeah, because I think you get your guest episode was episode like forty ish. I think forty five. Yeah, it was so, and I think you jumped on shortly after that. So, mm-hmm. um, so we've done this for a long time. We've done a weekly show, <laughs> even though it's not always been weekly. There have been times that we've taken off for various reasons scheduling conflicts real life things but we've done a weekly show as of today as of today right now we have 406 published episodes (laughs) by the time this comes out by the time this comes out 
we'll have more. Four hundred and how many? Six. Four hundred and six episodes. That's including every the three uh, hour long episodes that we used to do. Yes. Top three, which were generally thirty minutes long. Yeah. And then the other behind the scenes series, a couple of the the conversations like oh yeah, the extra lores, the top three uh, which you already mentioned, and then a couple of like the conversation streams that we had, whether that was at mm-hmm. GCX or with like the Dames of Destiny, um, I put mm-hmm. those up as episodes as well. But I mean, for the most part, that's I mean, that's for most part, that's just podcast episodes. So we've 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 seen some things. Um, <laughs> I think that's the easiest way to put it, and the nicest way to put it. But burnout is a real thing that both you and I have experienced on multiple occasions during this adventure. I think, and and that's, you know, I think here's the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to burnout is it happens to everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no, as much as I like joke around about not wanting to talk about it, it's really, there's nothing to be ashamed about having something and being a hundred percent passionate about it and just, needing to take a step back and like just being like i just can't even right now um now the, the trick is either to try to get get to a point where you're forcing yourself to kind of take a break before you hit a burnout because like when you mm-hmm. when you talk about burnout that's like you know there's something to be said about like you know you're there's different degrees i guess of burnout because they're all kind of the same but like you don't want to hit a burnout where it literally kills your interest in something um, you cannot be interested in something and take a break, but you don't want to like force yourself to do something to the point where it becomes instead of a passion project, it becomes a punishment. Um, and I think that's a very, you know, that's, that is a very fine line that is very personal to every single person. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. everyone has a hundred percent different threshold than, you know, the next person over, um, a lot of things, like I can, I, I mean, personally, you know, I probably hit the worst burnout with podcasting last year with, which is the, when we took November. December. Yeah. When we took the Christmas or December off, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that was the point at which I was like, I was like, I had to like seriously throw in the red flag and be, or the white flag and be like, I, I have to take time off. And the silver lining for that was that was also the catalyst that allowed us to get ahead. So, you know, it, it turned out to be a good thing, but you know, it's something that I don't think a lot of people, people are getting more transparent about it. Um, but a lot mm-hmm. of people still pretend like, Oh no, this is my passion project. I can go a hundred percent, 24 seven, blah, blah. And it's like, look, let's just call a spade a spade. It's not, you, you can't do that. No one can. It's not possible. You can't give 110% all the time. Like that's right. Life isn't supposed to function that no. way. You're supposed to have diversity. Right. And once you're doing something so adamantly for so long, your body, your mind, everything just, it just, bleh, you just don't want it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned possibly trying to preemptively, take your breaks before you get to that point right um i have a very adamant belief for me personally to get outside so jay knows that he probably won't find me on monday mornings or monday afternoons sunday sometimes i'm 
sometimes Sundays, because I'm going to be out in the mountains. I'm going to be mm-hmm. hiking or working out or biking or something, because that is my time for me to just wash away from it because I don't want to be on social media, even though I end up on it anyway. But <laughs> I think the biggest thing when it comes to help preventing burnout is giving yourself permission to not only have that burnout moment and say, I need a break, but also giving yourself permission to say it's okay. It's okay if I take this. And oftentimes, at least for me, once I say, hey, it's okay if I don't do this right now, but I need, like, I'd like to do this. I still want to do this. I just don't need it right now. It's changing your schedule a tiny bit, possibly. If you give yourself permission, oftentimes you find that you still have the passion for it. You just needed that mental rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that's like a huge, huge challenge for me is I don't operate mentally in a, in a way that I do downtime. Like my, my brain doesn't do that. Like if I'm not, if I'm not actually doing like notes or, you know, the, any work like physically, I'm constantly thinking about how to break things down, how to evaluate different stuff. And, and with, having done this for so long it has become my habit to do focus fire stuff uh constantly like my brain is constantly doing that um so for me you know getting tricking my brain into thinking about something else is the biggest challenge um and it's it's just you know that's just personally that's my one of my big things um you know that kind of comes into the next thing of like the the reception or the lack thereof, um, you know, I'm not a super social person, but it's one of those things where no matter what content you're creating, every content creator out there is going to tell you there's a reason that the unspoken rule of the internet, the first rule is don't read the comments. Um, yep. It's because as a, as a rule of thumb, it is significantly easier to tear people down than it is to build them up. Um, and that's just the brutal truth of reality. Uh, people just, it's just the way it is. Um, which is why if you have like, when you're, when you start doing, if you, if you start doing a podcast or if you start doing, you know, YouTube, whatever, whatever you're doing, if you can find a community or if you, if you get a community that is, that is supportive of you, cherish it and protect it like nothing else, because that, that is rare and that is worth all of your energy to protect. Um, Mm -hmm. that is to say, you know, you don't want to necessarily create an echo chamber, but, but at the same time, it's constructive criticism is, is always welcome, but you don't want to just get, you know, torn apart. Um, that being said, some is better than nothing. I think in my, in my opinion, at least. Right. Right. Like there will be trolls out there. That is just a thing. But I think the th- specifically with podcast, not talking YouTube, not talking streaming, but specifically with podcast, because we record like this episode right here, we're not getting immediate feedback from a live audience, which is part of the reason why we do a live audience, because we do get feedback from them as we're recording. But the reception factor, when you're recording a podcast and putting it out on the internet and you don't hear anything from anyone... It's a little, it's not deflating per se, but it's difficult to find the excitement because whenever somebody takes, 
joy in something you take joy in that helps boost you up, right? Like it gives you that burst of energy and podcasting in particular is difficult to receive feedback in general. Like not only just saying, Hey guys, send us, send us your feedback, send us your comments. Let us know what you think. We say that every episode, but it's very difficult to have that, those people who will actually do that because you don't think about it at the end. You don't think about, hey, I really I like this aspect of the show. I want to send them a note. Most people won't do that. So you're not going to get that feedback. That can be very challenging. Ways you can help mitigate that with podcasting in particular is being active other places. I'm active heavily on Twitter with a lot of our audience members. Discord is a great place for that if you have a discord community, but talk to your community, talk to your listeners, talk to the people that you want to talk to as an audience, talk to them as people as well, because that's going to help keep that boost that you need for that, that little bit of, it's not an ego thing. It is literally, I just want, I want to share my passion with you and I want you to share your passion with me. Because I get the energy back. Well, and I would say it's not, I mean, I agree. It's not an ego boost. It's a, it's like, it's a validation. But marketing and networking. So there's a couple different reasons why your podcast may or may not be received well, right? Reception can be lack of commenters or lack of interaction with your audience members. Lack of having audience members is another thing, Right. If you don't have the audience members to actually talk to, how do you do that? And that's how you, that's when you start getting into the idea of marketing and networking. Blue mentioned in the intro session that having guests on can help cross pollinate communities. Once you have your own little community, you can pollinate outside to others as well as going out, putting yourself out there, going on other people's shows talking to other people on social media, talking to other groups. Blue's actually better at one thing that I am terrified to do. Blue is better at talking to people who should not be talked to, in my opinion, because they are way too above me. Because I have a fear of celebrity. (laughs) Blue does not. I have been able to talk to Morla, the voice actress of Eris Morn. I would not have done that on my own. Blue started that. Uh, Bife is another one, actually. Mm. Bife was one that I never would have ever reached out to. And I'm still scared to this day to actually talk to him as a friend because I'm just like, I don't know what to do. But there's going, putting yourself out there is a big way to help not only market yourself to other content creators, but also their audiences as well. Because once you start to have those conversations with them, making friends with different groups, I think the best example that we have recently is the Guardians of Lore podcast or even Spinfoil. Spinfoil actually was a sp- uh, came from our community group uh-huh. because that was Taylor B. And then Guardians of Lore came out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't remember how we got introduced to them. I don't either. But now they're like best friends. Yeah. I love hanging out with Oregon. Like I will bug the snot out of her just like her and man at arms but (laughs) because of that because we talk about guardians of lore now you're more likely to actually go and look up hey what's this podcast because i believe what you trust so it's it's the cross-pollination i don't know anyway challenges with marketing 
consistent marketing is difficult. Especially as a hobby on top of that. Mm-hmm. Because consistent marketing, this is where, like, you know, I was talking in the intro session where it's like starting a podcast, you know, it's entry cost is negligible. Marketing is that's where you're going to, like, if you're, if you're wanting to kind of like push into that next tier, I guess, if you will, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people will look at, take your pick of successful content creators um, or successful podcasters and they'll be like, oh, well, they just got lucky. It's like, I can almost a hundred percent guarantee you that's not the case. That's, I mean, overnight successes are, I mean, I'm not going to say that they don't happen. They are not that common at all. No, they're not. The The thing when it comes to marketing is that the consistency is also key there. Yes. We talked about consistency with being on top of putting out a show. Consistency in marketing is huge because the more excited you are, you are about your own product, because that's what this is. It is a product you're putting out. The more excited you are about it and the more you want to talk about it, the more excited other people will start to become on it. The flippin' queen of it, who is kind of an overnight sensation in some respects, actually works her tail off is Isakol. I have convinced her to finally start sharing some of her secrets with me. And she has managed to just develop this marketing social media aspect that is consistent. Not It's not always going to be big hit tweets or mm-hmm. anything like that, but she has managed to hype up her not only her own work but the people around her really really well to where other people start to get excited about it because everybody loves the next next big thing and she makes herself that next big thing it's i don't know hers seems very natural Mm -hmm. but it may be maybe a learned thing and i think we should do a uh a ad break to to prevent burnout you know (laughs) let's do the ad break and then we'll do the questions from the community sounds good sound good Mm -hmm. all right we'll be right back myth is a podcast about the very soul of humanity join me each week as i explore stories from our history from our mythologies about what it means to be human i'm your host tom and myth is available on every podcatcher anywhere. And if you're familiar with any of my other work, then you might realize that myth is like a lore cast, but for humans. Join me each week on myth. Speaking about networking and marketing and everything and having reception or feedback or just in general, we actually had quite a bit of feedback on this topic, which kind of is exciting because we had people from not only former guests on our show, but people who also host podcasts asked a few questions or have been on multiple podcasts themselves. So let's kind of dive into what Jordan, Jordan Joestar asked. You ready? Yep. This is from Discord. Of all the ways you can directly control, i.e. not word of mouth, what have you found to be the most successful way of getting the word out about your podcast while differentiating it from the minutia. So marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. Man, that, I mean, that, that's, 
that's a question that I think changes by the day. I mean, there's there's some I know there's some I mean, I will definitely defer to you on this because this is definitely more your wheelhouse. But to me, it's it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. my understanding. Of, I mean, I'm like, I don't I know that green tells me to do certain things and I have no idea why. But if we do them, it works. So that's that's my understanding is just listen to what green tells you to do. Joe, don't don't tell people that. Um, God, I do not want that on my conscience. But marketing strategies, um, we talked a little bit about consistency. Putting out something that's talking about your product fairly regularly. So on my personal Twitter, I will talk about FFC at least two or three times a week if not daily, like some weeks it's daily, like there's stuff we've got going on. I'm really excited about it. I'll talk about it daily there. It's not always um, nitty gritty. It's not like, come listen to FFC because we're doing this and this and this. It's not an ad for the little blue pill on TV. It's not like that. It's more of blue and I were chatting about this today. We think it's a really good idea. We're going to give it a shot here coming up. You'll see what it is when we get to this next place. Building up that tension of, hey, there's an expectation of something new's happening. Or Blue and I had a conversation about sneaky snakes. Like there's, you can have lighthearted conversations. It's basically presenting yourself in not only a professional manner, but also a relatable manner, because relatability is the name of the game when it comes to marketing. You want to seem, you want to be relatable to other people. And how do you be relatable? You share your, not only your own faults and your own silliness and your own goofiness, as well as the professional side. Blue and I do tend to be a little bit more stodgy compared to some podcast host that we are in network with but we also put out a yeah, blue just did a little <laughs> tiny tiny finger just, just a little just bit just a little bit see the episode with guardians of lore and ffc oh wait <laughs> was there an episode there was not um, an episode that got released on that <laughs> actually yeah those guys are fun they're really good at just hanging out and being super, super, super fun people mm-hmm. to be around. But marketing is just being consistent out there, being excited about your product. And you don't have to be excited about it all the time. What you can do, there's a handy website. Blue hates it to death because he hates the format of it. I use it a lot. It's called TweetDeck. Mm. TweetDeck is a just a website that allows you to log into Twitter and allows you to pre-program tweets as many as you want ahead of time. It also allows you to have multiple feeds up on that uh, deck itself. So I can actually watch FFC feed, my personal Green Eyed Music Lover feed. I also watch the hashtag Destiny 2. So if there's any hot um, art or anything like that that comes out with that hashtag, I will see it if I'm looking at the browser. And I also preload tweets for it. So it's a handy tool for marketing and social media in general for Twitter specifically. Instagram, I'm not so good at. Fully admit it. And Facebook can go live in a dumpster from all I care. You're not the only one. For those of you, I know. For for those of you who love Facebook, 
good on you. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have ways to help with that because I find that Facebook is more infuriating than anything else at this point. But I'm sure there are people out there who have great ideas for it. Some of the same strategies I use for Twitter would actually work quite well for Facebook because you're still going to put out and put out stuff about being excited about it. That obviously not word of mouth. Word of mouth is more of, um, say, for instance, Spinfoil podcast says something about FFC. That would be word of mouth that them explaining somebody else's group. But putting yourself out social media wise is a difficult thing. And the other aspect of it, you can't just put out your stuff. You have to interact with other people. And I think that's where a lot of people fall off of it is that you forget that social media in particular is a conversation based platform. It's not just screaming out into the void, no matter how many trolls you see do that. It is it is actually meant to be a conversation starter place. And so when you see other people that you find interesting, start to get to know them, start to comment on their stuff, like their things, follow their, follow their lives a little bit, and just start to develop those relationships because those are the relationships that will help not only spread what you're excited about because they're excited about what you like because you've been excited about what they like. So it's a give and take. Lots of give and take and psychology involved. And I'm not going to talk about this forever. So let's move on to the next question. Blue. All right. You want to read that one? Yeah. So <laughs> this is a good one. This is from Wet Chinchilla. Actually, Wet Chinchilla sent in a couple really good ones. Uh, but the first one they sent in was, how space and time intensive is it to get good audio equipment for a podcast? Not necessarily talking about expenses, although I imagine those are a factor as well. But I imagine the better your audio quality is, the more intense your setup has to be. Um, short answer is not really. Uh, because this is the thing is you kind of have a boon in the way that podcasting as a whole is processed behind the scenes. Uh, Green and I were talking about this a little bit off, off air, air quotes, um, before we started recording about the microphones that like the microphone that I use is an ATR 2100. It's a USB microphone, but it has the capability of an XLR connection. If none of that made any sense, don't worry. It, it, it's basically talking about the cords that you use to connect, to capture the audio that I'm, that you're listening to right now. A lot of microphones that do podcasts, you're going to be surprised there a lot of them are going to be usb microphones and the reason why mm. is xlr is going to give you a much higher quality audio yes however when you convert it to a podcast format you have to you have to drum down the file type to an mp3 the the audio difference between an xlr and a usb connection for the most part you're not going to notice that with when when it hits mp3 level like compression rates and everything it's just they're not going to be noticeable spoken word yes but clarify that oh spoken word yeah like if you're if you're doing music or if you're doing instruments and stuff like that it will be noticeable a little bit especially if you start doing like mp4s that's that format is going to catch up on those but for a lot of podcast apps they require it to be mp3 which is an older form of the file um and it's a lower resolution yeah resolution i guess would be the best um so 
really what you want to do is you want to focus on not necessarily top of the line audio equipment, but you want to make sure that, you know, you have a space that is conducive to good sound. So you want to be in a quiet space. You, if you, if you have the capacity to put up some soundproofing and, you know, some rooms need it. Like if you have a room that has a lot of hard walls in it, soundproofing might help with the, what's called audio bounce back and, you know, that echoing sound, um, or you can do it in post edits. Like, you know, we kind of talked about a couple of the softwares in the intro session that you can use to that. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you don't have to have like a, a recording studio to have a good sounding podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm recording in have, my office. I mean, I mean, Mylon has a box that he puts <laughs> that's himself true. in. That's very true. <laughs> but even that like you don't even have to have something like that you can have um sound dampening equipment does not have to be tech high tech i have all homemade stuff in my place i have a large amount of curtains that take up an entire wall Mm -hmm. curtains are great at diffusing sound quilts are too and then i've also what's that quilts quilts are really good at dampening Uh sounds Mm mm-hmm Tapestries not so much because they tend to be thinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want something with a little bit of a uh, weight to it to help take up that sound a little bit. The other thing, carpets on the floor. If you have hardwood floors, put a carpet down, even if it's just a small one. It will help tremendously. Um, I do have sound boards that I made that are essentially canvases blank canvases that have towels shoved inside the space where the frame essentially goes for the canvas and then I stapled a cloth over the top of it. So there are sound dampening boards that are just basically a bunch of cloth put together Mm -hmm. on a wall. And those are, they're decorative. You'll see them in the back of my setup. Whenever we do live streams, I have a lot of different pins and stuff hanging from them. And those are all meant to help sound dampening just because my room that I work in specifically is very live. It's very, yeah, really live an, or wet. Another really cheap trick, if you if you need like severe sound dampening, is go record in a closet. Mm-hmm. Like uh, lots of people do lots, that. Um, Lance uh, uh, Zavala, the voice actor for Zavala, that's what his at home studio. He he'll he'll be in the closet, like he is in a closet, and he like he has that on Twitter, um, and it's, it's it's exactly kind of what Green was just saying. It's because all the clothes are compressed and around you. There's like there's nowhere for sound to really bounce. It all gets absorbed into all that. It dries it out. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, though. So, how do you learn how to speak for radio? Like not speaking so fast, making sure not to mumble, enunciate, just learning those habits. That's another question from Wet Chinchilla. I have no idea. I think both you and I have a slight advantage advantage <laughs> with the fact that we're from the Midwest. Where, and yeah. Did you know that the Midwestern accent is considered newsworthy? That they it's actually really? encourage people who are going into broadcasting to use a more Midwest accent because it's very hmm. neutral. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it, it I had a friend it who went makes into it. Sense, like it does make sense. I think for for me, like learning how to speak, the biggest the biggest challenge for me is figuring out a way to have figuring out a way to tell myself to shut up when someone else is trying to talk. <laughs> because I mean, so like I'm yeah. personally I'm not like a I don't 
Like if if I ever meet you in person, I'm not going to be a chatterbox. I don't talk a lot. But with podcasting, it's like the only way to communicate is verbally. And we're talking about something that, you know, quite honestly, I'm usually pretty passionate about. So I have a lot of thoughts on stuff and I, I just want to share those thoughts. It's not it's not meant like I don't mean it to be offensive when I cut people off. Um, so like for what we do uh, with like either via the face ca- face cams help uh, because you can you know, you can you actually have that um the visual component of seeing someone being like, oh, 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 you know, like, you know, kind of they energize right before they have an idea. Um, the other thing that we've started, we've done before is in our text chat, we'll have like a little symbol. To, or we usually use like in the letter in uh, for next. And, you know, that kind of just is like queuing up to say, hey, 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 I have something real quick um, about mumbling, learning, mumbling and enunciating. <laughs> A really good way to practice this, and this is actually more of a voice actor slash vocal like singer type thing, is to read. Read aloud. If you want to be extra picky, read and record it because you will find so many things that you just let slip by. I, I record Destiny Lore audio file and I... T- I'm not somebody who can record in a single take. I will not let the audio record the entire time. I will be there and I'll start the recording and I will read five words and then I will find something that Seth wrote that I have to look up on Google. And then I have to go and learn how to say it and then I have to practice it and then I have to go back in and then re-record. So learning how to read aloud helps if you are a constant mumbler and you're worried about certain words. But honestly, when it comes to speaking too fast, is you have to remember that it is a conversation. You have to leave natural pauses for people to actually understand what you're saying. Because if you continually speak in a stream of consciousness so quickly, no one will have a chance to finalize what your thought is. Because pauses are basically the processing point in your brain that allows you to say, Ah, that's what they meant. Zink. And then we move on. So remember that it's a conversation between you and the other person who is not actually able to talk to you, but they're there nonetheless. How do you balance the podcast <laughs> workload and needs with your professional lives as well as your personal lives at home? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> this is <laughs> Blue doesn't sleep. That's how he does it. I think the, the funny thing is this reminds me of back when I was in college. One of the first things that we were given like as freshmen was they, they drew a thing on the wall and it was like, here's your here's your options. You have four choices. You can sleep, you can study, you can socialize and you can mm-hmm. um, sleep, study, socialize and something else. Like I can't remember what the uh, like. God, what was it? It was something, but like you can only choose three. Like you have to, you can right. only choose three. And and it was like that. That was and I that that choice has like always. Every time I do something in life, that's what pops in my head. I'm like, yep, sleep's gone. Like amp up on the coffee because I gotta get other stuff done. Um, you know, I it's but to be to be completely honest, it it's something that you have to you have to have that balance within like everyone's balance is different. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I, I will hit points where it's like, look, I, I have to, you know, 
Green was talking about, you know, with the burnout, like every Monday morning she goes to walk. You know, there's there's points where my my son is getting ready to go into second grade. Um, so when certain things happen, like, you know, football practice, uh, you know, scouts, all these things, there are certain periods in time where like, I will have my phone if an emergency happens, but to be honest for, for the podcast component, that's not good. I mean, there's not going to be an air quote emergency. Um, my professional, like my professional thing, my professional situation is such that like, I'm pretty much on call 24 seven because that's what the way that thing that's just the way it is um and really honestly that's not a big deal because a large majority of the f- fires that we have to put out happen during the work day like during the work day there's mm-hmm. been a few times where it, it came down to like literally i think it was a couple of weeks ago i literally had 15 minutes from the time i stopped working to the time that we started recording that was probably the only time that i've had it really close like really close. I think that for me in particular, I try to preemptively schedule things. Mm-hmm. Um, personal life, especially Julie and I have f- for a large portion of the time that I've been on the show for focus fire chat, we have had a established date night because I record on Friday night. So I have not had a Friday night date in a few years. But Wednesday nights are her night and I make a point to put down my phone and I put down everything else and I make sure to make that happen because quality time is way more important when it comes to personal life than it is to be on top of the podcast all the time Mm. or have my phone up and checking social media all the time because I don't want to miss something. For me, I made that a priority. When it comes to balancing the other aspects of it, because I ha- I have a work ethic that is not sit down and grind it out all at once, I am somebody who will work. I have a schedule. I have a, a notepad thing on my phone that asks me to work on DLA an hour a day, focus fire chat an hour a day. And I find that if I do at least an hour a day. And sometimes I end up working on it longer if I get on a roll. But if I do at least an hour a day, I can manage the rest of my time much more easily because I don't feel like I'm left something behind that I needed to get done. I've checked up on what I need to focus on and then I can balance it out that way and still have playing time. And I often will play and work on FFC stuff at the same time. Yeah, I think but. I think scheduling for me is definitely a big part too. Like mm-hmm. I have a calendar, like a paper pencil calendar that I have pretty much my week scheduled out. Um, and that definitely, I mean, it, by no means do I always keep to it, but it definitely gives sure. me a guide of like, um, you know, this is what I need to do today, or this is what I need to do this week. I think the other thing is, is like as green kind of, you probably picked up on with what green was just saying is both of us have the expectation that, the podcast is important to us, but it is not more important than personal family life or even professional. Like if something were to happen, um, I have always had the opinion, even before Green was on Focus Fire, when it was Justin and Willie and myself, um, we t- we we all agreed when we started this that you know there are no hard feelings if someone had to step aside because of personal 
you know, situation, um, which is exactly mm-hmm. what has happened over the over the time with the changing and the hosts that we've had um, is that, you know, it, it there was personal stuff that came up and they just had to step aside. There's no hard feelings. And I think that's important for any podcast or any creative team to kind of. I, I think it's a non-negotiable fact um, that is obviously different for everyone, depending on the, the seriousness in which you, you know, this could be your professional life, you know, that in that case, sure. But for me, since it's not, um, to me, it's a hobby. And as such, I need to treat it with the priority that a hobby dictates. And that is below those two. So I think, you know, as long as everyone on the team has that clear understanding that that's where that falls um i don't think anything will i don't i I mean that's it's been very easy Mm -hmm. because we've always had that approach to it um so family first always family first Mm -hmm. so to move on to a different question nero asked the rundown on various types of equipment used or have found helpful in production uh we primarily went over that in the introduction episode but a real quick recap is things that you have to have for a podcast, a PC or a laptop and a mic. Mm-hmm. Patience. Patience. Uh, software. We use Audacity. You do not have to. There's lots of different audio softwares out there. We also use Voice Meter Potato. You probably shouldn't <laughs> to save yourself. Um, the pain and hassle. I just it is it is anyway. She has funny. It's a great. She has a love hate relationship that's kind of more really on the hate do. relationship. <laughs> I tried to help Man at Arms set his oh, up, dude, no, and then I, I rage quit again. Like unless <laughs> unless I trust the person enough to let like I I, I agree a hundred percent with pens on this particular thing. It's like this is one of the programs that if you are like. If I get asked to help, I'm like, can I remote into your computer? Because to be a hundred percent honest, it's, it's next to, to impo- it it's next to impossible to like explain via a f- like even shared screen. Like it, it's it's really difficult. Um, there is mm-hmm. one program that like especially if you're going to be pro- like if you're going to be doing editing and producing on your own side, <clears throat> there is one program I forgot to mention in the intro session, and that is a program called MP3 Tag. Um, what that program does is it actually like when you get all done with it and you have it all ready to go, um, and you have it as an MP3 file from audacity, you draw, you can drag the MP3 file over this into this program and it will actually help. There's these things called ID three tags inside the file. And that's, what's actually used by Google, by iTunes, by all these different software or all these different, um, programs and logarithms to track um, and help uh, search engine optimization with those particular files. MP3 tag is the program that it's free and it actually opens up the MP3 files and allows you to configure them right there. That's how when you download Focus Fire Chat and if you have it on a, a Podbean player or a podcast player and it will automatically put up the thumbnail while you're playing it, it's because I've actually embedded that picture inside the MP3. Um, so mm-hmm. there's there's nice little programs like that that we use also um, to kind of make it just a little bit more polished. Hypersyntax asks, coordinating with guests in different time zones, how do you go about finding a mutual time to record? 
This one is a challenge. Um, Blue and I, because we do a live recording, we often will, if the guest is willing, if they're not in some crazy location on the in the world like Europe, because that's a crazy location, <laughs> we will ask them to to accommodate us and come in at the our normal time. But there we have on many occasions rescheduled when we record with people. And we, I've used, there's a website that will do not only your time zone, but you put in their location and it'll give you their time zone and you can set a future time based off your time and it'll tell you what time it is for them. I'm sure there's multiple websites that do this, but that sounds way more convoluted the way I said it. (laughs) But honestly, it's just working with the person that you're you're wanting on as a guest blue and i've recorded on multiple sundays we've even recorded on saturdays uh my least favorite time to record that we've done before is for the qlrs (laughs) because somebody has to live on the other side of the world and i have to get up quite early (laughs) for those even though he's up quite late but yeah, no, it's sometimes it's just that was the best conversation. Oh my gosh, he was so tired. <laughs> Everyone was so tired. Everyone was so tired. Oh, I was. I think. I think really. Also, mentally. you know, kind of what you're saying too is just like if you have gauge how much you want the guest on, because honestly, mm-hmm. it's the guests should have. You know, you want to make it as easy as possible for your guest to be on. So if you're if you're not live streaming, if you're doing offline or if you're doing an off air recording, um, I mean, my approach has always been kind of like, well, when would be convenient for you? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I want to make it easy for you uh, because that will a make you happier to be on will make it a more pleasant experience for you and also will be make you more likely to say yes is <laughs> the is the trifecta th- in my approach to that. I think barring the you get into trouble of what time you actually end up scheduling with that option of saying when are you available or when can Mm -hmm. you do this or when would you like to do this i have on multiple occasions with various guests offered them multiple times yeah saying that i have these times open let me know if one of them works for you and that ends up actually working i i generally throw out three different times nine times out of ten one of those three things will work or one of those three times will work. Um, I do this as well with scheduling guests out in advance. Like I will schedule six months in advance for FFC. I need to actually start looking at doing that again online, but I will put out a call saying, if you want to be on great, let me know, message me and I will put, as many guests as I can into my schedule for the next six to nine months, depending on how much interest we have. And I will remind you as we get closer, but as we, once we hit that one month, the month mark, if I don't hear back from you and I don't hear back from you three weeks, two weeks, one week, I don't worry about it. Blue and I can handle doing a show on our own without the guest on there. But there's only so much you can do to accommodate a guest when they want to come on. And it's balancing out what you can offer with what they can do. Mm. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. 
Okay, this one is a question for you specifically, <laughs> because I don't want to answer it. Wicked Jester asks, how do you go about registration with hosting platforms, getting the podcast to show up on different platforms slash providers? Blue, how do we do that? Uh, well, I will be honest. It's a lot easier than it used to be. Um, <clears throat> the big secret or the, the the big one that I would say you want to get on as soon as possible um, once you, once you pick out where you're going to host. So, you know, we, we prefer, or I prefer Podbean, uh, because simply we have been with Podbean for the entirety of our podcasting career, air quotes around career. Um, and I have always had really good, I've always had a good rapport with just their tech side. Their customer service has always been very professional, um, very quick to help us. Uh, so I've always stuck with them. Um, Podbean makes it really easy to send across files to all of the big name uh, platforms. Uh, the biggest one that you want to go after, and this annoys me because I absolutely can't stand Apple products just personally, but it's iTunes. iTunes is going to be the, the if you will, meet of every platform because basically what's going to happen is once you have your podcast on iTunes, what it's going to do is there is, you know, anchor, um, take your pick. There's so many podcasting apps out there now. <clears throat> they all scrape off of iTunes. So basically you put it on iTunes and then your podcast will start popping up on all these other sites. Now there's a few exceptions the, the, those exceptions would be Google podcasts, um, Spotify, Pandora, um, Stitcher, I think is the other one. Uh, and I think those are the big four, uh, each of those have different requirements. Uh, they have changed slightly. I know with Spotify, you have to have a minimum of five episodes. Um, each one of them will also have file requirements. Usually it's MP3 and basically if you can upload it to Podbean, it's going to be fine because it'll port over without a hitch. Um, but you always like, I mean, just look at the requirements. They're usually right there when you click on it, especially within Podbean, because it takes you right to the, the share link page. Um, Spotify has a specific requirement of it, there has to be five episodes before they will air quote consider it. Um, if you're on Podbean, you kind of get you get a little bit of a boost in the waiting queue because they have a pre-existing agreement with Spotify. Um, Pandora is a, you can submit it for consideration. They're usually, it's basically, they just look to make sure that you're not, you know, just a fly by night thing. Um, same with Google podcasts and with Stitcher, they're, they're all very easy to set up. And again, with pan with, uh, Podbean, um, once you set them up, <clears throat> you'll have to create a user account with them. Uh, they're all free user accounts because basically the reason why you have to have a user account is so that you can then claim air quote your podcast uh, feed once you have all that set up really honestly whatever system you have hosting those files uh, they're going to ask for what's called an rss feed once you provide that it's a url once you provide that url to those different platforms that's it because as soon as you publish on your hosting, basically what happens is you push that file to the public and then the hosting site will 
will send out a notice to the RSS feed. And that RSS feed is going to distribute the file to all the different podcast platforms, providers that you have set up. Um, Mm -hmm. The big one, again, is iTunes. If you get get your stuff on iTunes as quickly as you can, uh, because iTunes is going to then further push out uh, because most of the podcast apps out there basically scrape it from iTunes and display it that way. That's why whenever you hear podcasts asking for reviews, the nine times out of 10, they're going to ask for reviews on iTunes. They'll usually throw in a caveat of, or wherever you listen to. But really, a lot of iTunes reviews are the where the, a lot of those logarithms for the the search engine optimizations, you know, the the front page air quote, the, the new and upcoming podcast determinations that's what drives those decisions is those those number of reviews on itunes um Mm -hmm. now obviously spotify google Podcasts, pandora and the others they have a different a logarithm um but because like i i want to say it's like 90 percent of your your uh consumption is going to be through itunes and so really that's that's really the brunt of where you should focus um most of your like again i can speak for podbean podbean has a built-in analytics that will actually let you break down your uh, consumption per episode so you can see what app took the most downloads what how much of each episode was listened to in that app uh what geographical area the app was used to capture it so you know like we personally with focus fire we are predominantly consumed within the united states um host of reasons for that you know we're host we're we're based in the united states um there's different there's different podcasting app uh storefronts uh for different regions and so if you specify within your podcast that you're predominantly hosted in the United States, it's going to put a different listing in the U.S. version of iTunes than it will put in the EU or the Australian or the you know Middle Eastern versions of those storefronts. That's going to be different. Um, so there's there's a lot of different little considerations to play with. But really, honestly, with registration for hosting platforms, um, look at wherever you sign up, whether it's Podbean, whether it's Anchor, Stitcher, um, I think. Pinecast is the other one that I've seen out there. Um, you know, wherever those are, they will usually, if they are an actual hosting site, they will have a point where it's like uh, uh, it's usually like social share or distribution or something like that. Inside there, that is going to be where you can find places to put your um, your ID key, which you'll get when you sign up for different providers. But once once all that gets done, like it, the thing is, is once you set it up, uh, really, it's it's done. You don't have to touch mm-hmm. it again. Yeah, unless something changes yes. on one side, and then usually it's just a matter of refreshing it. Hey, I'm dead again, aka Cam. Still love asks, that. Did you guys have a community before the podcast that you were able to sort of advertise to, <clears throat> and then grow it with the podcast, or did you build one with the podcast? I think this one's a fairly easy answer. Since you came from DOD mm-hmm. and FFC originally was a DOD, well, FFC so semi or f- yeah, not necessarily. Well, like everybody on FFC originally was from mm-hmm. DOD. Yeah, yeah. The DOD podcast was different. Um, we, I, yeah. So the FFC podcast was because the DOD administrative 
chat got tired of us talking about lore all the time. And they kicked us out. They told us that we weren't allowed to talk about lore in their pod or in their chat. So we created the FFC chat <laughs> because we weren't allowed to talk about it anywhere else. Um, the DOD podcast was one that because we were the we started Focus Fire Chat and we were doing pretty well with that podcast. They brought me on to help them start up the DOD podcast, which I think is they still have going over there. Mm-hmm, they um, do. I don't know. I think I'm not sure who's running it's it now. Changed host. Yeah, it's it's changed, it's changed host. host a couple I, of times. I actually hung out with them on one of their shows. Oh, okay. About two months ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I know, well, and like we inherited it from, uh, what was it, uh, Pope Bear, I think was the one that I still talk to somewhat regular. He's with DCP now, um, but he was originally like way, way back. He was the or one of the original hosts for the original DOD podcast that we inherited and took on and then... Mm-hmm. that whole like so so that was that was again so we started off we kind of had a community we had a community in so far as like <clears throat> we were kind of the melting pot point for a lot of the different communities at that time within the destiny community for people who were looking for like family-centered uh clans and so then when we found people who were into lore we you know kind of synergized that interest there and then, of course, once the podcast was started officially, then, you know, that translated into we already had a small group there. So it just kind of grew. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the question you've been dying to get to. And I'm sure he has been dying for you to get to as well. Taylor B. at the Spinfoil podcast asks, what do you use as a master backup? For when someone's audio didn't take and I embarrass myself. <laughs> so uh, Green Green mentioned we, we record, everyone records their own on Audacity. Um, I will generally also have a separate recording running on voice meter. Um, and then as a tertiary backup, usually if we're live, especially if we're live streaming, there is always the live stream archive as well. I really don't pref- I've I've had to use that once and it's a giant pain because like we had talked about with the audio splits there's notifications that go off in that um so there's like it's it's a lot extra editing but you can make it work um the benefit to having on-site recordings is I don't have to worry about the internet cutting out um but mm-hmm. I will be honest, I'd rather have someone go slightly robo voice and have a podcast to distribute than have nothing to send out. Uh, so so as far as like my my per my my first layer is the on site recordings for each of the hosts or the co-host. Um, the backup, the first backup is through voice meter. And then the backup of that backup would be usually with Streamlabs OBS. I think at some point, not during this episode, but coming up with something to describe how you do the voice meter pool oh, to yeah, create yeah, yeah. this yeah. The secondary backup would be a good thing to go into because I, I've had multiple podcasters ask me that yeah. of how does he do that? Because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's magic and voice meter banana. Yeah, it it's... Um... 
there's an option in voice meter called tape recorder uh and you can yeah it's it's actually not as complicated uh like if you can get voice meter set up you can totally do this i'll just put it that way uh it's it's okay. actually pretty like once you figure out where the menu is in voice meter which that is the biggest challenge is figuring out what menu you want <laughs> um like with voice meter banana i think potato has the same lookout but there's that little yeah, tape recorder up on the top right that actually is determining what is getting recorded in it um and so yeah i can i can i can probably put together a quick slideshow of that even but nice. yeah it's it's uh i think it's called tape recorder options um and then once you hit record on the tape recorder based on what what inputs you've recorded it will actually create a multi-track output for um that recording session which is really nice actually because what that what that translates into is i have it set up where when i record in voice meter my audio is its own track and then whoever i have on what i have as my voip which is the voice over internet provider um or voice over internet protocol or skype discord whatever you want to call it that is its own track and then I actually have it where if I was playing a video game or playing something on a third track, it will come in also on its own track as well. Um, now, the only downside to this is if I have more than one guest on my VoIP, uh, they will not be on separate tracks. They will be on the same track. But again, as a backup, it serves a purpose really well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also clean because then I don't have to worry about the notifications that I have to worry about within the Streamlabs OBS. But yeah, so that's where again, Voice Meter. I really, really suggest if you're if you're looking to get into like the the little bit more nitty gritty setups, I think Voice Meter is a it's a hundred percent worth the time to get it set up because it will save you so much frustration in my in my as much frustration as it is to get it set up it is worth it in the end i think for that i mean just that alone makes it makes it worth it yep parody on twitter last minute questions that came in today is it worth giving up the blue yeti microphone for something that's not a condenser mic (laughs) i think we kind of talked about that a little Mm -hmm. bit in the first the intro episode but the short answer is if it if it's something you want you can make it work yeah long answer yeah. is just know how your mic works like the, that's that's yeah, the thing that's take take the time and and sit down and really either either find someone like what i did when i first started out i i was lucky enough to have a co-host of the dod podcast uh kai kuyanis um, who was an actual audio technician. And he's the one who told me to get this. The microphone that I have is the ATR 2100. Um, it's a cardioid dynamic mic. Uh, and and basically he was the one who was like, this is the one I, you you should get. It's it's It was like 80 bucks, totally worth it. Um, I would say either find someone who knows what they're talking about or sit down and just go to YouTube. I know... Um, one of the guys that does a lot of like podcasting stuff is Pat Flynn. He does a like huge amount of different things. He has a lot of YouTube videos that actually do um, cons- uh, 
comparisons of different mics. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll find you'll find tons of YouTube videos on different mics. But the other thing is, is once you decide if you want to do a Blue Yeti, I mean, Yetis are fine. Um, other benefit, I'm not. I mean, I'm just going to keep plugging voice meter here because this this is one of the yet another benefit is they have and what's called an IntelliPan on voice meter. I can actually, mm-hmm. and I've proven this, I can record everything that you're hearing right now i could be recording on an a40 astro's a40 with that little head that little microphone and with the intellipan i can make it sound just like my microphone does right now it takes a little bit extra work it i mean it takes a little extra work but you can make any microphone sound good if you if you just take a bit of time and actually like just test it out um if you know the tools, yeah. if you know the settings, because mm-hmm. not only the tools, like voice meter, potato or banana is well and good, but also knowing how your microphone interacts with your PC yep. because of the sounds like the sound input. Yeah, uh, your gate. Basically, mm-hmm. if you're not careful, your Blue Yeti is going to pick up the fart in the next room that your spouse had because it's so hot. Like it's a very, very active mic. But there are things you can do on your PC to turn down the essentially the gain through a digital way that will help cut that out. It will reduce that amount of sound without reducing the quality of voice that's coming through. So definitely learn and play around with it. Ask questions. Ask people who use microphones. I use a Blue Yeti. I I enjoy my Blue Mm. Yeti. Oh, everyone that I've talked to, I, I... Everyone who I've talked to that has a Blue Yeti is, they love it. I mean, you know, I think you use you use two different ones, don't you? Because you're using mm-hmm. the Nano I right use, now. Mm-hmm. The Nano is my, most of the time it's my PS4 mic because hmm. I don't use a traditional headset when I'm playing PS4 because I like to port my audio from PS4 into my PC and then out through the audio jack that way because I like to play spotify without having to turn off certain functions on ps4 but um i have one for ps4 that i can use as a travel mic that i'm using tonight and then i have my nicer heavier one right they both sound just as good in my opinion yeah i mean again i think it all it it all comes back to what do you prefer and i think that's kind of that ties Mm -hmm. into like the the next question from parody here is what about the physical location where you record? Do you do anything to dampen the echo or make the room more like a coat closet? You know, we were kind of talking about that um, a little bit earlier. I don't, I don't do anything. Um, but the room that I'm, the room that I'm in has so many computer components around me that there's not really anything. There's not a space that I could probably put a dampener on. Just to be the honest, the thing is though with your space you do have a lot of bookshelves behind right. you which would help mm-hmm. but honestly if you're having trouble with having a lot of background noise perk up i would bet probably nine to ten that you are actually dealing with a settings problem more so than a space problem yeah because you can do a lot of if you are really really like i want an extra extra dry sound because i want this recording to be done so cleanly you can throw i have literally taken a pillow and put it over my monitor and recorded it into a mic yeah i know if i turn my gate off i have crazy background noise but i have the gate set pretty i mean it's not like super high but i mean it's it's a it's present and Mm -hmm. that's like 
that was one of the first things that I started playing around with when I first got this mic was because it was so much more sense because it was such a better mic than your standard laptop mic. Um, you know, it's like, it was a huge step up. And so one of the things is it's also a lot sensitive. It's a lot more sensitive. So that kind of ties in. Uh, gate is essentially sorry. Yes. What it does is it's, it takes the audio that it's coming into the PC and it puts a level that it won't register it at until it hits a certain decibel level. So it's literally a gate that your voice has to break through in order to be recorded or to be even heard through the other side. Um, voice meter again does that. I don't know of any other ones at the moment who do that. I don't. Does Audacity have a gate in it? I don't know if you it, can. I think you might be able to put it, an artificial does, gate in but it. But I've not played with it enough to really feel comfortable with it right. because I'd prefer to deal with not altering it in Audacity yeah. because of the way it does, way it records things. Right. I know the other thing, we're real quick for that is because you, because like for me, because I have my gate set at a pretty strong level, I really have to have a pop filter on my mic because in order for mm-hmm. me to hit that gate, I have to, you know, I have to get some sound going. Um, a pop filter is usually, I mean, like literally it's, I don't know, the best I can like explain. I was like to say, I was like, I uh, think it's pantyhose. I really, hoop. I really think it's just pantyhose. Um, but it's usually just like a, or you can also get them usually on a big ball. If you have like a traditional mic, that's that big foam thing that goes over it. And all that does is keep you from breathing. Like your breathe. Cause usually if you're speaking into a mic, it feels like your mic is in your mouth. Um, a pop filter helps with your P's and your hard S's and T's, but it also helps the breathing. That's the big thing for me is because the mic is so close to my face, just breathing I don't want that to activate the the audio. Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew when you started <laughs> or learned far too late? Um, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, here's the thing, and this is going to tie into the next question that he has. It's like for me, I, I I don't I don't think I learned anything far too late. I don't think I wish any different things. To be honest. To me, the 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 part that has made it such an enjoyable experience is actually the learning as like as I went through it. I mean, like, sure, mm-hmm. there's there's some components behind the scenes for like editing like MP3 tags and, you know, all the like technical stuff that were a pain to learn. But I think that pain of learning has made me more appreciative of of doing them correctly. Um, so I think, you know. I don't know. That's that's a tough question because I think part of it is like the journey to get to where we are, you know, and I mean, I, I think that's that's why I love it so much is because it's one of the few things that is constantly evolving. There is something that you constantly can you're 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 constantly being faced with something that you need to figure out for yourself. Um, right. That's to me, that's why it's so addictive. Um, is because that's where my brain goes into hyperdrive because it allows me to just focus on, you know, how do I put in it? How do I translate my podcast to a YouTube video? It's, I mean, it, it's just, there's, there's constantly things going on where it's like, I don't know, let's figure it out. Let's, you know, let's go get Mm -hmm. blender and see what we can figure out. That's the weirdest program ever. And I think I finally figured it out the other day. Um, 
Oh, nice. Yeah, it's still a pain, but I mean, it it it's still a pain. But I mean, the thing is, is like that that kind of never ending challenge of, hey, do you want to do this better? Um, to me, that's really the allure of it. Um, so I, I don't know, like, what do you wish you knew when you started? I I mean, have, I guess, have patience, like be, be aware that you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna run into walls that are going to take more energy than you think to get over. Also, I think one of the things that I remember feeling very distinctly the first time I guest spot on FFC is that I, I had it in my head that I had to be absolutely perfect that I had to have every answer to any question that you presented or had to have the information so well under my belt that I would be the expert. And the funny thing about FFC and the funny thing about this podcast in particular is that because we do things as a live recording, we're not we do edit some things out, but there's a lot that stays in uh-huh. that just makes it to your guys's feeds that probably shouldn't. Um, well, and because I will say something dumb or you'll oh, say yeah. something dumb or, I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, I, 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 I chuckle when, when you say that, cause actually that's what a lot of people who, who come on the, on the show as guests say that same thing. And I've like, I've never, felt like i know like i try to keep my information updated and i feel like an idiot if i do something like if i say something really dumb but at the same time i will be honest starting the show with justin uh we never worried about having (laughs) everything perfect we were happy to get here on time like you know it was Mm -hmm. it was always like we we always from the get-go with with our show especially we would prefer everyone have a good time rather than everyone be 100% accurate. Um, because to us, think, that was more important. I think that's honestly the biggest thing that I would say for anybody starting, is that don't get so hung up on being perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't get so hung up on the production value of the piece. Put something out there that you can be proud of, but don't you're never, kill I mean, yourself you're right. to get it out there. You, if you... If you if you convince yourself that you won't put it out there until it's perfect, it's never going to get put out there. Exactly. It, 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 and that, Try things, learn things. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's one of the things Green and I were talking about right before we started recording this particular session is like editing. Um, you know, I, because I edit all the podcasts, I've gotten to a point where like when I'm editing, I have reached a point where I will listen with like, I mean, 60 to 75% attention on what I'm listening to. Because I have I have in my head already, I know the big points that I think I'm going to need to edit. So everything else is really just, you know, making sure, like I, like we've said in the intro session, you know, I try to run a PG show. Every now and then I'll miss something, and believe me, I, I get notified of it really quickly, and it's usually just kind of like, hey, just heads up, you missed this one. Um, it hasn't happened in a while, so it probably will happen soon, because that's Murphy's Law. <laughs> um, but like... I have honestly found with me, it's easier for me to edit when I'm doing something that, you know, like I'll do like cross stitching or I'll do something at work that, you know, is just like coding that doesn't take a lot of energy, you know, doing something while I'm editing helps me because I'll get through the editing process and it's good enough because my brain is Mm -hmm. OCD. My brain wants things to be perfect. 
Um, so I basically trick myself into thinking, oh yeah, it's fine. And, and that's where it's, you got it. You kind of just have to accept you're not going to have a perfect product. It's better it's to a, get it out there. It's actually an old theater trick. So when you're on stage in theater, you have the five foot rule. You have a 10 foot rule. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those are? Kind of. I, I, so your costume on stage should look what the audience expects it to look like from five to ten feet away. Mm-hmm. But if you got up close, yeah. you'll see that things may not be sewn together. It may be Velcro. <laughs> it may also be crayon for all we know. But as long as it looks good from five to ten feet away, it's going to pass for a theater. And that is a very common thing that a lot of people forget that when listeners listen to your pro- production they're hearing it for the first time they're not also listening to it with as critical of an ear as you will so you have to remember that you are you are your own worst critic most of the time yes absolutely and you will go back and re-edit the same (laughs) no i don't phrase i don't ever do that (laughs) oh my gosh let me tell you how long it took to record the Marasena. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should wrap up this episode and say good night. And say good night. No, I mean, really, like shout out, concluding thoughts. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that last part is really the thing that, if anything, you know, just start. Like, just, just, just start. Um, a lot of times when I when I've talked to the couple people or the few people that I've talked to about doing podcasts, you know, a lot of times they'll be like, well, it's just too much work. I'm like, it really, it doesn't have to be. I'm like, I know like you're talking to me who has been doing this for nearly six years now. Like my process is going to be night and day different from, from your process when you're, when you're looking Mm -hmm. at just starting, my process is built on five or six years of, to be honest, complete F ups that I have learned from and like I can give you I can give you tips I can give you tricks I can walk you through my process but I guarantee you my process will will overwhelm you for the most part unless you have like professional training and you probably are going to not be talking to me at that point but you know (laughs) I mean like when when people talk to me I I have to I have to hold back because I don't want to scare people because for me a passion project is all immersive it's I'm in it a hundred percent um, you know, I'm all in. Uh, so like my process is as reflective of that. Um, I know a lot of people who do podcasts who are successful podcasters who do nowhere near the amount of work as far as like the, the post-production editing piece that we do. And that is, uh, I mean, like I said at the beginning, there are different roads to getting content created. There's no right or wrong answer here. And that's what you have to, that's like the biggest takeaway is just start, do Mm -hmm. it, see what happens and learn from it. And, and that's really going to be the best teacher is just experience. And, you know, I mean, again, like we said at the beginning, if you have questions, if you want feedback, please, 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 please let us know. I'm more than happy. You send me a clipping of a podcast that you want to put out there. I will be more than happy to give you back my thoughts. They will be honest thoughts, and I will probably point out really random things 
like audio levels and stuff like that. But I mean, to me, that would be the exact type of stuff that I would like to hear back from. Like if I sent a clip Mm -hmm. to somebody, I want to hear back. Okay, well, tweak this a little bit or maybe make this make this, you know, a little bit faster or your pauses are too long here. You know, that's the type of stuff that to me help. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think just starting is the biggest hurdle for most people when it comes to not just podcasting, just to content creation in general. Starting and not being afraid to talk to people. Because mm-hmm. most of us to are go to this. right there in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, not being afraid to talk to Bife. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean more of like, most of us are like, right. I don't know, like, let's figure it out. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, that's, yeah. that's the number one conversation response that I have is like, I have never thought about that. But I am more than happy to sit down and figure it out because it's it's through those type of conversations that everyone gets better at what we do. Um, mm-hmm. So, yep. Got any got any final kernels of wisdom or shout out screen? I think my final shout out is to Jaw Love, who is behind me with his bone <laughs> and has waited the entire. Has he been standing Three there the entire time? He's no, he hasn't been standing here. He's been in the room with me, but he, he just now picked up his bone to start chewing on it that I can hear through my headset. You may or may not be able to hear it through the audio. If you can, he's, I'm sorry. He's been a if good boy up until now. Check your settings. Yeah, he's been a real good boy. He's been real quiet. I haven't had the cat meowing the whole time. I've been all for it. So shout out to this dog right behind me because he is a cool cat. I mean, dog. Well, but no, on a more serious note, shout out to you for being willing to put up with me for this this long. And we learn together. We we struggle together. We learn together. We make it work. Right, right back at you. I mean, that's, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's the thing is, you know, get a team. I I can't imagine doing a podcast by myself. That, that to me sounds terrifying. I know people do it, but I can't imagine that. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, God, man. Anyways, thank you for your Mm -hmm. time. And until next time, remember with wisdom, we conquer, stand strong, stand tall and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.